Well, welcome to Quantum number 178. Quantum is a podcast that looks at news and culture from a Christian perspective. And we're going to begin, of course, with Christmas. Yeah, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not bow. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. That is Bruce Springsteen, who's just sold the rights uh, of for all his works, including that song, for millions of of, of dollars. Now. What's the difference between Santa Claus and Father Christmas? Father Christmas has been the personification of the Yuletide season in the UK for centuries, whereas Santa was imported to America from Holland, where on the 6th of December, that was his feast day, Sinterklaas would give gifts to children, and that was all inspired by St. Nicholas's reputation for secret gift giving. The It is true, the Coca-Cola company did take Santa and turned him the red that they wanted for their drink, um, did away with the holly in the hair, gave him the matching hat, and since then, Santa has follow, followed their branding requirements. But, in musical terms, I don't know whether you prefer Father Christmas or Santa Claus, but in musical terms, I certainly prefer this song. This is Greg Lake's I Believe in Father Christmas. They said there'll be snow at Christmas They said there'll be peace on earth But instead it just kept on raining A veil of tears for the virgin birth I remember one Christmas morning A winter's light and a distant choir And the peal of a bell and that Christmas tree smell Eyes full of tinsel and fire And I love that line especially A veil of tears for the virgin birth And there's there's plenty of tears in the world uh, Let's just give me some of the news before we give you some of the news before we come back on to maybe one or two of the main issues So in Myanmar a BBC investigation found that there have been at least 40 men killed in, by the military civilians. They rounded up villagers in an opposition stronghold and they killed them. Um, the, it's just, just an extraordinary, sad situation. In China, well, in Hong Kong, uh, China had set up a, the Chinese Communist Party had set up a list of approved political patriots. Well, CNN says that the turnout for the election of 30% reflected a deep decline in the civil and political engagement. Why vote for people if, they, if you know that they're just stooges of the party? In Chile, a former student leader is to become Chile's youngest ever president. The left-wing Gabriel Boric has a 12-point lead over Jose Antonio Cast, and uh, 35, he will become Chile's youngest ever president. I saw that he actually said that he was to the left of the Communist Party. It doesn't bode well. And then in India, there's this incredibly sad story that uh, we need to look into a little bit more. 
22,372 housewives took their own lives last year. That's 61 suicides of housewives every day or one every 25 minutes. And it's believed that these are largely done because of family problems, marriage-related issues, and almost certainly domestic violence. 30% of all women in India said they had experienced domestic violence. Yes, it's a sad world in so many ways, and we need Christ to come into it. Well, when I think of Christmas, I often think of this particular song. John and Yoko, of course. Happy Christmas, war is over. War is over if you want it. Mm. That hasn't proved to be prophetic, has it? And the, th that line, without any fear. I don't know if I've lived in a year where there has been so much fear and where fear has been used by governments and by corporations and by others to pol politicians, political parties, media to manipulate and it's on right and left admittedly that has happened in churches as well but it's something that's profoundly disturbing and we see that in terms of covid because we have to come on to covid now there was an extraordinary interview with fraser nelson uh, with graham madley who is on the government sage advisory body the scientific and uh, advisory body and they had put out a report saying that Omicron could lead to between 200 to 6,000 deaths per day. And Fraser Nelson had this media exchange with the sage head Graham Madley. And he, he made these incredible statements. He said that they were asked to model exclusively bad outcomes and that they only modeled what they were asked to model. And they, they didn't they didn't model here probability of any of these things happening. He said, we model the scenarios that are useful to decisions. And somebody else has pointed out that this actually is the case with modeling, that there is a hardwired negativity bias, which means that they're not actually all that scientific. Incredible. So we see that here, for example, in New South Wales. Now we're just going through a bit of a panic thing here. There are massive queues outside testing stations. And we've just, it's just been announced by our very conservative Prime Minister who said he wouldn't do this, but he's just announced we're going to have mandatory masks again and uh, two, two square metre distancing, all that kind of stuff. Although, as I, I keep saying, <laughs> I think these are being done for political reasons rather than any scientific reasons. I don't think it's going to make any difference to Omicron. And here's the thing, the data that's coming out about Omicron is that it's five times less deadly. And it actually may be the good news that we are waiting for. 
In fact, Heather MacDonald, in an article that was republished in the Australian, I think it was originally published in the American Spectator, points out that Omicron could actually be the good news that we are looking for. But, she says, the public health establishment and the media are working overtime to gin up Omicron hysteria. And she lists these things, and I think this is true. First of all, this is the strategies they do. They create a group norm of fear. Everyone around you is scared, and I see that here. Secondly, they buttress group fear with expert opinion. The only public health experts who are allowed to speak are those who endorse the most fearful position. And then they, she says, manufacture epistemological uncertainty and insist on that uncertainty as long as possible. So they, they just, the whole idea is we don't know and therefore we always go worst case scenario. They bury both good news and dissenters from the bad news. Um, the doctor who discovered Omicron in South Africa has said she's astonished by the world's reaction to the virus. And yet we hear very, very little from her. I found it fascinating that Queensland Premier Anastasia Palachuk said Omicron is far more serious than Delta, and yet her chief health officer, Trudy McIntosh, I think it's Trudy McIntosh, no, no, the, the Queensland new chief health officer, I don't know who that is actually, said, not only is the spread of this virus inevitable, it is necessary. It's a good thing. Then their fifth strategy is to omit the relevant context. So we hear that 13,000 people are dying a day from COVID in the US. 2,000 die each day from cancer, 1,600 from heart disease. Their deaths get no coverage. Context is left out. And then they absolutely flog the case count. It's the case count that counts. So here in New South Wales, we had 5,000 cases today. And that's what gets headlined. What doesn't get headlined is that we have 27,000 active cases in the state and 0.15% of them are in hospital, I mean, in ICU. It really is quite extraordinary. Meanwhile, in the church, the Archbishop of Canterbury has spoken and said that Jesus would get a vaccine because that's loving your neighbour. Well, first of all, don't look to clergy for medical advice. Not me, not the Archbishop of Canterbury, nor anyone else. Secondly, I'm not quite sure the logic of this because the vaccine doesn't really stop you spreading it, as we've seen. It doesn't really stop you getting it. it, it the reason I'm vaccinated is because it will stop you getting seriously ill. Anyway, uh, let's stick with the Christmas good news theme. Uh, let's go with to Canada and just this little snippet from Trudeau. Regardless of the fact that we are attacking your fundamental rights or limiting your fundamental rights, and the Charter says that was wrong, we're still going to go ahead and do with it. It's basically a loophole that allows a majority to override fundamental rights of a minority. Now, it's possible that may have been taken out of context, but as it is, it's quite scary. A majority can override the fundamental rights of a minority. Is that really where we're heading? Possibly, yes. And here's an extraordinary story from uh, India, where I love cricket and I'm enjoying the Ashes, and I'm sorry all England fans that you're obviously not at this moment in time. I hope you win the next one, actually, so that when you come to Sydney and I'll be there. 
there's a little bit of a competition in it. But uh, this is an extraordinary story of some people who, some men who've been gone to jail. And Ahmed Ghani, because he supported Pakistan in India. The students are being held here at this high security jail in Agra, not too far from the famous Taj Mahal. Among the charges they face, sedition, a colonial era law which criminalises anything which could be considered anti-national. But many say that law is being misused to stifle any sort of criticism against the government. He celebrated Pakistan's victory in a cricket match. And, wow, I mean, it's just extraordinary. It's absolutely extraordinary. We may think this is ridiculous, and it is ridiculous, but I wonder a little bit if we're not heading in similar directions where freedom of speech is extremely limited. It, interesting that the lawyer said freedom of speech does not mean that you can promote another country in your own country. Actually, it does. That's the point of freedom of speech. But I wonder if we're moving that direction on other issues in Western countries. Okay, Let, let's do some good news. Let's come on to this wonderful man. Um, this is another kind of sport. This is my kind of sport. Five draws thus far, and now Magnus begins this game with the move d4. We have the third game by uh, with Magnus being with the white pieces, and he opts to go for d4. He's done d4, he's done e4, and we have knight f6. And perhaps the biggest surprise of this game already begins on the third move, as Magnus chooses to employ a Fianchetto setup which probably will become a Catalan, but doing it in this specific move order is very important because it means that he has something up his sleeve. First of all, it actually allows Black to develop the light score. It's of course Magnus Carlsen, who's won the World Chess Championship again in Dubai, defeated Nepomichachi, I think, from Russia. There's a great article from Emily Belts in World uh, Magazine talking about the joy of Magnus Carlson and and you see that there's a lovely video of him and his teammates I mean, I, I'll bet most of you didn't know that you know You have a team to play you thought you should sit down a board and play No, there's a team that goes into this and Carlson is an absolute chess genius uh, The Queen's Gambit of course was my favorite series. I think of the past few months that I've seen But I love this bit and I thought this was really helpful because we're talking about Christmas being a time of joy And I've just given you a whole load of bad news Back in New York in 2016, a child asked a question at a press conference of Magnus. Was Magnus nervous before playing? And this is what he said. I find joy in playing. In some ways, that's the most important thing. I think that's the Christian. We find joy in serving. And speaking of joy, here's, of course, a great carol. Joy to the world, the Lord.
That's Joy to the World. It's the version from The Chosen. Uh, the Chosen is a remarkable thing for those of you who haven't seen it. It's a crowd-funded YouTube and, and now beyond that uh, retelling of the Bible. It's very faithful. It's actually very good. And that was from their Christmas special. We come to bring joy to the world. Christ comes to bring joy to the world. Good news of great joy for all the people. Even North Koreans. This is an extraordinary story, but this is not made up. This is true. North Koreans have been banned from showing any sign of happiness for 11 days in order, in order to commemorate the 10-year anniversary of the death of Kim Jong-il. They include an explicit ban on laughter and alcohol during the 11-day period of mourning. On the day of his death, you're even banned from going grocery shopping. <laughs> it's just extraordinary. If your family member dies during the mourning period, you're not allowed to cry out loud and the body must be taken out after it's over. People cannot even celebrate their own birthdays if they fall within the mourning period. So Kim Jong-il ruled from 1994 until his death from a heart attack in 2011. He was the father of the current Supreme Leader, Kim Jong-un. Um, it is estimated that three and a half million people died during a four-year period of starvation during his reign. Worldly saviors, maybe. <laughs> They're not as bad as that, but that it's that's just awful. Okay, so speaking of joy, let's go to one of my favorite Christmas films, and that's Joyeux Noel. And this is just a, a part of a clip of music from it. Let it triumphantes venite, venite in Engländer. Good evening, Germans, but we're not English, we're Scottish. <laughs> that is the story of the Christmas truth. Now, obviously there are liberties taken with it, but basically the idea is actually correct that the Germans did have an opera singer who did sing on the front line and who was applauded by the French. I don't know about the Scots playing the bagpipes, I'm sure they did. But there was a football match as well, there was a truce. And people stopped killing each other to play football and to sing and to celebrate Christmas. I, I find the film itself just absolutely wonderful. And that, when that singing of Silent Night and then the pipes starting up and the French applauding and so on, it's, it's just a very, very moving thing. Christ comes to bring peace. Now, another aspect of that is Christ came to bring joy and peace into a world full of misery and darkness. Glenn Shrivener always does these great videos, and he's done one from um, this Christmas. Uh, we'll not play the whole thing, but here's just the ending of it. The spectacle was designed to ape the behavior of the gods, who would take the shape of a beast and then rape who they pleased. That bull, if you like, was a priest, a sign of the divine. When the gods appear, all should fear. 
And off at the rear, a dozen crosses, severe with their victims pinned like dissected frogs, skin writhing sheer against the logs, desperate for breath. This was the slave's death, an agony uniquely saved for the millions of minions that slaved to maintain the empire's business. It was night before Christmas. Now picture Christians preaching Emmanuel here. God with us, good tidings of Christmas cheer. The news that heaven had volunteered for this, this murder, this war, this rape, this gore. To endure immeasurable loss, to dwell among the dross, to be found upon a cross. When this tale resounds, how do you think it sounds? Stupid? Vile? insane. It was disdained by all who strove to fearful heights above, but down below was birthed belief. The highest has stooped in love. When this God appears, he comes to draw near and to commandeer this world, this world incurled with fear and greed and hate and need. It's this world he shouldered, enfolded, and remolded anew. And through the night, and then Christmas, a revolution was dawning. A happy Christmas to all, and to all, a good morning. Now I need to warn you that the video itself is quite disturbing because he talks about the practices of the Romans and Roman gods uh, in the world that Christ came into. And I think he's right to do that because Christ came into this, this darkness and this oppression to set free. And as he put it, the highest stooped in love. Brilliant. And this also is brilliant. I love listening to David Suchet. I listen to him every single day. Why? because he narrates the NIV Bible, which I, audio Bible, which I have. It's one of the best purchases I've ever made. He's absolutely superb. Well, this is his take on Christmas. Enjoy this. So what does Christmas mean to me? I'd like to go all the way back to when I was eight years of age and I was sent away to boarding school. And it was tough. Those years of boarding school were very, very tough. There was not much joy. The greatest joy we ever had was when it was time to go home for the holidays. But there was no better holiday for us than Christmas holidays. Because in the dormitories at school, we were allowed, very special privilege, to put up Christmas decorations. So from the age of eight, for many, many years, Christmas meant for me celebration, joy at the end of that particular term, colorful decorations and going home to mom and dad where we'd all have presents and turkey and wonderful family time. And then as I grew older, I became a Christian, very late in life actually, when I was 40 and I learned the meaning, the true meaning of Christmas. And I was still filled with joy, but it was a different joy. It was the realization 
that that little baby, God, being born as a human being, was born for a reason. To save us, to save us ordinary people and to give us a chance of a new life with him. That was real joy. That was saving joy. That was mature joy. And I think that was the joy that the three wise men felt when they saw him. So with joy in my heart, happy Christmas. I love it, don't you love that? The true meaning of Christmas, filled with joy, a different joy, real joy, saving joy, a mature joy. I think that's wonderful. I hope you have a great Christmas. I hope you know that joy in the midst of the darkness. Don't give in to despair. Don't give in to the doom mongers. I'm not saying be unrealistic. There's much to mourn, but there's much more to rejoice about. Someone has come into the darkness. And I'm going to leave you with my favourite version of my... was. I was going to say my favourite. It's not my favourite carol. My favourite carol is actually O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. But this is another favourite. Hail thou ever blessed morn. Hail redemption's happy dawn. Christ is born in Bethlehem. This is Dave Henderson again uh, from St. Peter's. I just love the way he does this. I think it's a fantastic song. See amid the winter snow Born for us on earth below See the Lamb of God appears Promise from eternal years Hail thou ever blessed morn Hail redemption's happy dawn Sing through all Jerusalem Christ is born in Bethlehem I will come back next week for a kind of summary of the year, I think. And uh, hopefully see you then. If you want to support Quantum, then go on to the Podbean fundraiser. Thank you so much for all of those, all you who do. And uh, if you've got any comments, questions, please feel free to make them. If you've got any ideas, suggestions, again, please feel free to make them. It's been a strange year, hasn't it? There's been so much that's difficult and so much discouraging in some, in so many ways. And yet, Christ has come. And that doesn't change. We can hail redemption's happy dawn. God bless you. Have a great Christmas tomorrow. And, or if you're listening to this on Christmas Day or even after, I hope you had a good one. And we'll see you next week. Bye. As we watch at dead of night, though we saw a wondrous light, angels singing peace on earth told us of the Savior's birth Hail thou ever blessed morn Hail redemption's happy dawn Sing through all Jerusalem Christ is born in Bethlehem
Oh.